Hello, everyone. This is Rich Sports Talk, Sports Talk Worth a Million, and I'm your host, Nolan Rich. Thank you so much for joining us here today. And you know we talk everything on this podcast about sports, right? We do everything. We don't just talk about what happens on the field. No, we look at everything in sports, and that includes off the field. Now, when I say sports and money, let's play a little game. I say those two words, sports and money. What do you think? Gave you a little bit of time, right? I'm guessing most of you, your first thought was player salaries. Oh, the guy's making millions of dollars. Guy's making hundreds of millions of dollars. The big contracts in every major sport. Maybe a handful of you thought, well, man, the amount of money teams are worth now. You see these owners paying billions of dollars for franchises. There's money everywhere. But let's stick with the salaries today. Now, a lot of you are saying, wow, we talk about these guys are set for life. They've hit the lotto. But in some cases, have they? When we talk about athletes, isn't it amazing when you hear about these great athletes? Just a couple years out, a lot of them, they don't have money. They go bankrupt. It's been a major issue, and it's been well-documented in Sports Illustrated. It's been well-documented in ESPN's 30 for 30 broke. It's become a major issue in sports. Now, I have seen the tide shift a little bit with players being smarter with their money. And there's certain people that are out there to help. And we are very fortunate today to have one of those people on the show today. And we are going to talk sports and money and how athletes can fall into the trap of losing all their money. But more importantly, what are the steps that they can take moving forward to make sure that the money they make today will last them a lifetime? And I am joined by Lorenda Phillips today. For those of you who do not know, she is a part of Retire From Sports, an organization she founded to help athletes once they retire from sports, manage their financials, and also she has books on the way. She has a book coming out called Life and Money for Former Pro Athletes, and she also has a book currently out called Star Power and Retirement, How to Turn a Few Years of Playing Professional Sports into a Lifetime of Wealth, Influence, and fame. And I've been looking forward to this interview for a while. Lorenda, thank you so much for joining us here today. I would love to get a little bit of your background. Like, how did you get into this? And what got you started thinking about these players and how to help them? Yeah, thank you for the question. And also, thank you for having me on the show today. I appreciate it. Um, First of all, I've been coaching business owners, uh, people who are transitioning to, to retirement, and uh, executives for about 20 years, um, way before the coaches were so popular in business. Um, in fact, the first couple of clients that I was talking to, uh, prospective clients I was talking to, asked me, um, oh, you, you don't know too much about sports, Lorinda. What are you? Wh- why are you doing that? And I said, no, 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 this is not that kind of coaching. This is kind of coaching on how to do better. So um, anyway, so that's how long ago it was. Uh, what I did is about two and a half years ago, I read an article about an article, uh, and that article was Sports Illustrated, written by uh, Pablo Torre, and um, let's see, in 2009, and it said that 78% of all NFL players uh, who have retired um, have declared bankruptcy or financial stress within the two years of retirement. Now, that statistic has been um, questioned, but uh, in my experience talking to several athletes and ste- several professionals in the sports industry, uh, that's a pretty accurate number. 
So, um, and it's not that like they all handle, they all declare um, bankruptcy, but most of them have financial stress. So that's, and, and it, the first time I read it, I thought, wow, you know, those guys, they just can't handle their money, right? The young guys can't handle their money. I had like a point of view that was negative. And I went on. I read it in a doctor's office, a dentist's office, and I went on. And then I saw the the same statistic in a completely different um, article, in a completely different environment. And I said, I know how to develop people. This is sort of a calling to me. Something is calling me. So I did the research, and I found out, yeah, these guys have trouble. Uh, I know how to develop people, as I said, and I felt like I could help them. So I just did about eight months worth of research uh, to find out what the pains were, what the problems were, uh, what some decisions had been made, who is supporting them, who's not. Uh, it, and, and I got my, I built myself another division of my company, and, and I actually named it Retire from Sports and, uh, you know, got myself really involved in the sport world. And it's interesting, too, because I think there's a lot of misconception from most sports fans. I mean, you, when they hear of players going to the league, they're just assuming, oh, the leagues, their teams, or even their agents, they're going to handle all their financial information. And while there are examples of agents, uh, personally, I know Joe Linda, who's a football NFL agent, and he's very hands-on with his clients and helping them with their financials. A lot of the times it just seems like they aren't involved. Like from your experience working so far, how involved are the leagues and the agents and are the athletes kind of on an island when they get in handling their financials? Yeah, they. Uh, it's a really good question. And there's so much in that question. Um, so the first thing is when people um, hear, including the players, that they've been selected either in the draft or free agency, they, that they've been selected, <clears throat> they think they've made it. You know, it's all NFL, NFL, uh, all the way since Pop, Pop Warner, what is that, 10 years old? You know, something like that. You know, they've been pretty much the best at what they did. They were athletic pretty much the whole time. And then um, they get selected and they think, oh my God, this is it, right? But, um, you know, statistically uh, in football, it's 3.3 years. And that's the medium. So, um, there's a lot of guys that work for just like the one in two years. So um, so they never really make it. Mo most of those middle guys never make as much money as they think they're going to be. So that's, the, that's one. And two, in terms of support, the NFL does offer some support. There's player engagement, a whole program they have. But I just talked to somebody who went through it, and he said while it was very professional, very well done, it did not address the concerns of a player it didn't it, it, it was more like um, you know helping another company help those people that are being laid off to get new jobs yeah these guys are not people that were laid off they were cut from a very specialized group of people and that's a whole different kettle of fish in my world in, in my point of view and so he said that although a lot of it was you know, was informationally good, it wasn't relevant to him. And he'd been playing in the NFL for eight years uh, and had been passed around to six teams. Uh, and, um, you know, and he did get most of his benefits. He didn't get one thing. Uh, he missed by a month. 
he said, and that's when I realized that this is a business. It's not, it's not really in it for me. It's a business. Um, so it's, yeah, and, and the agents, um, there are some agents that kind of help the guys, but if, honestly, if the agents, if they're not marquee players, uh, the agents aren't really going to get that much for that. And, you know, they're in business too, honestly, Nolan. They're in business to find the new guys to make the, the, the uh, percentage on signings and on contracts. So I don't blame them. It's just that there's kind of, they, uh, they, it's a bit like they fall through the cracks. Like they, they um, were good. They were signed up. And this guy that was passed around, he was drafted. He was a, a second-round draft. So he, he was pretty good. He got a fairly decent signing bonus, but he didn't really make much after that. So, um, but he had a wife that nagged him to save. <laughs> so, you know, so if you have someone that really in the background that's supporting you personally, you have a much better chance at landing on your feet. But even he, you know, he just had a hard time. And he's now, he's been out for a year, did I say? I think he said a year or two maybe. Um, and and uh, he's now kind of finding something. He's got a job that he likes as, as a financial advisor with a very small company that wants to develop him. You know, so he's real happy and he's proud. I think a lot of the guys lose their pride in themselves. Um, and that's a whole other conversation, a whole other element. Right. There's a lot of pride involved with sports and a little bit interesting because I always found this very intriguing to me at least is a lot of these athletes uh they have to go through the college system for basketball now they have to go for one year for football it's three years so there's a there are will be examples in baseball nhl some different sports where some kids don't go to college but do you feel that maybe some of these institutions at college could be better off helping these athletes because even i as a business major when i went undergrad I still felt like coming out of school, I was a bit financially illiterate. It wasn't teaching the simple things like balancing a checkbook, budgeting. They, they gave you some good ideas about retirement, but for an athlete, you're not playing till you're 65 either. You're lucky to play till you're 35. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, I really do think um, in, in my research, right, I saw that, wow, you know, if the colleges could just do a better job, well, it's just hard to pinpoint. Yes, to answer your question, if they did a better job educating all of us, oh, by the way, as you just pointed out, in sort of daily living, which includes budgeting and money, that would be helpful. Like maybe as a general, a general ed, right? Um, now, I do know that UCLA and USC both have programs for athletes that, that talk about this. But it's it's elective. It's uh, I think what happens is they get very um, you know involved in their sport, just like they always do in high school as well. Um, and so all their time is like pretty much practicing and sort of somewhat studying for school. Right? It's there's just not a lot that's spent there, and there's not a lot of uh, like the other coaches aren't putting any pressure on them to do it either. Right? So there's a um, and that sometimes the families aren't either. So it, again, it's one of these things that falls through the cracks. But I think that if the colleges did uh, require, especially the, the, the athletes, uh, certain courses on daily living, it would be so much better for them. Because they are in a cocoon. 
and the better they get, the more cocoon they're in. <laughs> you know? And, you know, uh, it, it's kind of like a thin, the thin air uh, up there. And then they come down to Earth, and it is a uh, shock. It's just a shock to them at how much they don't know. And, again, and they have to pretend that they do because of the pride aspect. So if they find, when they get to me, it's like, oh, God, can I just tell you what's really going on? Yeah, that's what I'm here for. So the coaching that I do is really to help them. Um, it's pretty much not financial. I mean, I can do that, but I'll tell you the distinction. Um, it's really to help them do the transition. So, you know, I find out, I give them some assessments, what do they like, what they don't like, uh, what are they good at, what they're talented in. Um, also, uh, I, have lo- I have lots of business experience, right, from all those years of working with business owners. So I, I know different kinds of businesses, I, and, and I match them. I get maybe get two or three or up to five different areas that I think they might be interested in after I look at their assessments. And then they go through it. They look at it, oh, no, I didn't like that. Oh, yeah, maybe I like that. No, I like to be more social. Oh, you're great, let's do it. So we kind of figure that out. So there's a lot of figuring out. It's not me in a front of a room kind of telling them what to do. It's us working together to, to find out what to do. And then um, and then they develop a plan, like a, a game plan. Uh, and then I have helped them execute it. So, and that help means um, I, as, I'm like an accountability partner for them. Okay, you're going to do X, Y, Z? Yeah. And most of this work is done in their off-season, by the way. But some of it is on-season, in-season. Uh, which I'll talk about in a, a second too. Around the money is um, I have some financial advisors that um, have been useful, but I never say use this person. That I think is a problem. I uh, say you've got to be responsible for your own money and your own financial future. I want you to go here, here, and here and interview them and then come back to me or bring me in on the conversation. That's fine too. But I want them to select because guess what? They're the ones that are going to be accountable. Uh, not accountable. They're going to be have to be responsible for their own money. So there's that. And then also, I definitely have a budget. I have a financial coach on my staff, and she helps them with budgeting, living inside a budget. She's uh, brilliant. So that part I've got in place because that's that's not like putting your money in a in something that, to grow it. Because I it's just sometimes it happens and sometimes it doesn't. And a lot of these guys have lost just millions of dollars in bad investments. Absolutely. So uh, I don't want to. Yeah, I absolutely. Don't that. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. 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 And when we talk about, um, you know, considered like the national average, like even players, uh, the minimum, they make well above what the national average is. And I know this is a very broad stroke to look at this, yeah. but in terms of why they're broke i think the three biggest things that people look at um you just did mention bad investments these athletes are big targets for you know investors and they feel like they can get one over on a lot of these athletes who like we were talking about are financially illiterate we also have other factors involved too that notion of keeping up with the joneses there's a lot of especially these guys are competitive. That's what makes them great. But when they see another player like driving with an $80,000 car in the parking lot, they almost feel obligated to go out and buy a $90,000 car. It's very competitive. 
and especially with a lot of culture now influenced by Instagram and trying to show off like how well you're living, how well your life is, that's another factor where I think a lot of these players put a lot of money where they don't necessarily need to. And then finally, do you think that this could be the biggest factor is just family? Because I remember Bart Scott, who's a very who's a former New York Jet, once said that when a lot of these players, when they make their first contract, he calls it hitting to get a lottery because all of a sudden you have everyone coming out of the woodward, your cousins, friends, family, you know, asking for money. And it's very difficult. I think for a lot of players, it's easy to say maybe no to a car, maybe no to a house, but saying no to family and to people that you feel helped you along the way, that could be very difficult as well. Yeah, I think you hit them. I think you you hit most of the, uh, I'd say the top three. Um, and I, and then the overall, you don't make that much money. So, so let me address the family thing too. The other thing is they made it out. A lot of these guys are from not the best, um, families, right? Not, not the best income families and always true, but many of them. And, uh, and sometimes single moms, too. A lot of single moms in this particular uh, uh, group of people. Um, and so then they've made it, right? They've made it. Everybody's slapping them on the back. They come home for Thanksgiving or whatever it is, right? And, you know, so-and-so's got an idea. This person's got that. So it's, it's not only are they asked by their family, and it's hard to say no. They've made it. Like, they've, they've made it. So there's almost like a feeling of, Oh, I need to do this. I have to do this. I have to do this for my brother who didn't get the breaks I did, like that. And it's amazing how uh, how often that is told to me. So there's that. But I think the overall, like the biggest one, again, not the marquees. That's a whole other thing. But the middle range guys, let's say, you know, making I don't know seven hundred fifty thousand dollars, something like that, like a little under a mil, right? You think about what they have to, uh, let's take maybe half at that, at that income, they're taking half away. So that's 500,000 times three, let, let's say a million five, okay, over three years. So a million five, they have their own living expenses that are usually pretty high, especially if they have a family, especially if they're in one of the big cities. So you take that out of the three years and you really live, you really end up with about 500,000, Maybe a five hundred thousand, and that's not a lot of money, Norm. I mean, I know for a twenty-five-year-old that sounds like a lot of money, but when you've been told like you've got the golden goose, that's not a lot of golden eggs. It just isn't, and and it won't last long. So, and especially the way often they spend. So, I um I think that's the other thing is these people who come to them think they're like rain and dough, right? And it, they're just not. And and they think they're rain and dough. And they're just not. So it's just a it's a it's a myth and a kind of a fallacy that they're all kind of in. So I think that's the overall problem. Um, but you name the three that are like pivotal. I mean there was just you know, I don't know, sixty minutes had something on at the end of uh, two thousand sixteen with Vernon Davis. Uh, and I know he's still playing, but he and 17 NFL players, uh, they made a bat, they used a, a advice from a, uh, financial advisor that was approved by the PA, unbelievable, 
Um, but he uh, had got $43 million together, 17 guys. Uh, they built a, a casino in Alabama. Do you know about the story, Nolan? Oh, yeah. I've, I've heard about this. I've heard, especially, yeah. I'm a... I'm a New York Met fan, unfortunately, so I know not only the ownership group, but the players were also uh, invested yeah. in Bernie Madoff. So. Yeah. Oh, got it. Well, this Alabama thing, now listen to this. Alabama, okay, it was beautiful, it was gorgeous, you know, white, just exquisite, right? I think the first week, they were closed. And the reason why is Alabama, it's illegal to have a casino in Alabama. It's illegal to gamble, and it was a casino. And, you know, you'd think, what? These guys didn't vet that? No, they were told by an approved PA, a financial advisor, it was all good, and then one guy said it to another guy, and you got to get in, and it's got to it's be, and they, you know what they called it? They called it football money. Mm-hmm. They lost every penny. They lost everything. Um, and Vernon, he says, well, thank God, you know, I'm still playing. I still have opportunities and I think sponsorships. He says, but these other guys, a lot of these other guys, that that was it. So that's just an example of how um, they can lose their money. And and, and Vernon said, look, he quote, I quote him in my book, you know, we got to learn. We got to learn to vet this stuff. It's We just can't have everybody's word for things. And we, we really got to be responsible for our own money, So, which I totally agree with him. But going along with that, how important is it, do you think, that athletes should communicate with each other about this kind of thing? Because I think we all have that as in any workplace. Like, we don't feel comfortable talking about salary. We don't. It's one of those things in, in society in general, we don't feel comfortable about talking. And especially in a case of a sports athlete, there could be a situation where they've had a financial advisor that, like you said, in the whole Vernon Davis situation – took a lot of money from them and it could be a good learning experience for a younger player for a different player but some of these guys like we've talked about there's a big pride uh involved and they don't want to be had and they don't talk about so even though they lost a lot of money they don't really talk about it they don't want to talk about because they don't want to appear vulnerable because in society we've held them up saying these are the best of the best athletes in the world and it's kind of funny like you don't feel a lot of people don't feel sympathy for these athletes i sure do because they're young kids that basically hit the lottery and when we talk about people that have usually made a lot of money they've usually grown into that money they've had a chance to develop and learn how to handle those finances moving forward but if you gave someone 200 million dollars in the powerball and they were used to living on a thirty thousand dollar a year income they want to know how to handle that responsibility. And I think we see something very similar with these athletes. I agree. I agree completely. And, um, God, you said so much in that sentence. (laughs) 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 Because we don't, as a whole, we we kind of think, oh, my God. You know, we react the way I reacted when I first saw the statistic, right, for the NFL. I'm like, oh, my God. You know, they can't even handle them. So there's not a lot of sympathy. For them or empathy but the truth is they um and and the pride is so you're so right they just do head down they're embarrassed they're they're you know like you said they were the winners they're like the the present day um gladiators like right and then then to be thrown cast aside to the lions in a way <laughs> it's just and people kind of look away they just like or they go to the next player right they just go to the like okay well 
he he was good, but you know he's a bum now. You know, I mean, just a it's a whole thing in sports, and I, I'm not I'm after changing sports. You know, I am after uh, helping these guys once they're released. And by the way, I um that's the other thing. I like to get them before they're released, and this is why. Um, I like to get them at least in a conversation because if they could just instead of in those fundraisers and different parties they go to, instead of all about you know the fun. Make a, at least half of their time there talking to influencers, community and business influencers, and say, you know, I, I'd like to have a discussion with you. Can we have lunch? Um, and, you know, can I call your office and get some lunch, uh, an appointment for lunch? Absolutely. So when the player calls the next day or the, within that week for a lunch appointment and says, hi, I'm uh, who he is from the Dallas Cowboys, you bet they're going to take that call. You know, the secretary is going to get into the, the gatekeeper is going to get into the um, influencer. And there's going to be a much easier way to connect and get put some seats in. So much better than people at their age, uh, you know, just getting out of college or just, you know, just it's they, they can really leverage their position. I don't care even if they're like a, a that nobody knows them too much. If they say that they're so-and-so at us with a certain team at the, the Raiders, they're going to return the call. And that that's the, a big shift in how it is once you're retired. You could say, I've played for blah, blah, blah. It's, not as, it's just not as, uh, you know, energetically uh, quick to get response on. But every single guy who's played that I've asked to do this uh, had made connections that they would not have made and were not, it was not difficult. And I even said, you know, I gave them scripts. I, I role-played with them just so that they feel comfortable doing that. So that's the kind of uh, support I give and I really believe that they need. And, um, and the ones that did that are the ones that are actually now in positions. So, um, yeah, anyway, that's... And I've worked with people who have been retired for a while, 10 years, 6 years. And... Um, they often have, like one had a state farm agency, He's, he did well, but because I had all that business coaching experience, he wasn't doing, he was struggling a little bit, uh, he was under the numbers that he was required to bring in every year, so we just put a whole game plan, like it was a, a championship season, right, and we just played it that way, and he did it that way, and he created that way, and he just killed it that year, so I, I, I just, I'm proud that myself that I can help these guys and that's what I want to do so and uh, we talked a little bit about before the show and uh, basically why do you think it is so important to get these athletes with you while they're still playing or before they even step for the first time onto a major league field because I feel like unfortunately for a lot of these athletes they don't realize the pitfalls of where they are financially until it's too late, until they retire, yeah. or until they realize that they don't have that long of a career ahead of them. That's exactly right. That is one, and then I can, you know, I can give them, get them into a budget, and, and have fun with it. You know, get an app, the Mint app, and really just have them have a good time with this, because it's not like a, a a penalty. It's like an enhancement so that they can have what they want eventually, right? And so it's, um, so I really do think uh, that the guys, if they use their careers 
uh, the way, let's say the NFL, if they can use the NFL as a springboard into what's next, they'll have a better life than when they were on the field. And I truly believe that. And I've got some examples of it, in fact. So the so that, and then the other thing is that um, if they could be, if they could be, if I could get to them while they're in college or just before they step on the field, as you said, um, it would be great to have just a conversation with their wives, if they're, they're, if they're young husbands, um, just the, and the family and the impact and, and the different components to look at. Uh, I'm a coach. You know, I, I do life coaching. I do business coaching. I work for them to work successfully. So, I, and I don't hide, I don't, um, everything's confidential. I don't, uh, like if you ask me who I work with, I can't, I really have a contract that says that I won't. Uh, say that unless they've said I could and so far they haven't <laughs> but um, but uh, except I got some quotes in my on my website um, but the uh, and, and the other thing is there's just an emotional thing about being the best in the world at what you do just as you said and then within three years you're you're fired really and it's just weird it's just a weird head numbing kind of thing and I think that the sooner they know that and really experience that the and and know that they've got something great coming the better they're going to be on the field the better they're going to be as as a person in their lives um it's they're not going to be alone and have to hide their or be a certain kind of person uh if their girlfriends want um let's say those cardio, those beautiful Cartier bands, you know, as a woman, I've seen those, they're beautiful. Um, and you know, they're about five to $10,000 each and several of them have, you know, four or five, you know, 10 on their, on their arm. And I just really make sure that they're clear about the money that that costs and what that is. Okay. Well, that's a hundred thousand dollars. What could you get for a hundred thousand dollars? Like there's choices in life. So um, I help them with that. And the sooner I can get them into that kind of conversation, the better it is. And I want them to have a good time. I want them to have fun. I just want them to have enough money so they can seed themselves for what's next. Absolutely. And before we get into the final question, I just wanted to get into two things like I really take from what you were telling me that I think is really smart with these athletes. And the first thing I, I take away is how you say you want to be a coach. And basically these guys are competitive and how you're using that to their advantage, like trying to train them, but also be competitive. Like I can save a lot of money. I can be very smart. Like I can be ahead of the game. And the second yeah. thing you mentioned too, is I you basically using their athletics as almost an internship to gain experience, to gain connections. Yeah. And you see a lot of the athletes, who were very good with the media, who made connections with the media. You see them now working in television, on TV, and you can make the case that some of them have been better off off the field. It's very interesting because if I was to mention Michael Strahan, for example, right now, I think most people in America would say, oh, yeah, he's on Good Morning America. He's a great TV person. And a lot of people would then say, oh, he's a football player. Um, exactly, as a secondary. Yes, yes. exactly. And yeah, Absolutely. You know? And Magic's even said, you know, I'm most proud of what I've done since I went, once I got off the court. Just, uh, you know, uh, hands down. And the commitment and the 
the difference making, the legacy that man has in his communities. See, that's what I, I think the players are our future leaders in business, in their churches, in business, and in communities. And I'm I'm dead serious about it. I've worked with amazing leaders all of my life. And these guys have that ability to be those kinds of people. And to become those people, I guess the final question will be for me today, what are the first steps? Because it's easier to have like the finish line. It's easier to say you're going to be successful, but... Really, what's the first step these players should take once they begin working with you? Because we can all talk about saving, we can all talk about retirement, we can all talk about the goal and the finish line, but we really start talk about the start. Yeah, well, I think that um, the first thing is they should sign up with me. <laughs> <laughs> but, but honestly, the very first thing is a mindset, that they are enough, that they can do this job and they can do the job just as expertly as they did getting into their position that they got into. So they have those characteristic qualities. That's, I think, the number one first thing. And then the other thing is to take, find out what they want to do. Like, take a, you know, take a look. Take a look at, okay, Google it. What are the different kinds of things? Well, you know, I like to be outside. Well, what are the outside things? Well, I like to do things by myself. Okay, what what to do there? And then maybe even have a little plan that says, okay, I'm going to talk to three of my friends and find out what they do and what they like. And just start. Just, you got to start. That's, that's exactly a perfect question. They've got to start what's next for me. Um, and not to, not to take place of football because, while they're in football. Not at all. But more how to use football to what's next. And I'm telling you, if somebody says, oh, my God, I think I really want to be, um, let me just think about this. Um, I want to be, oh, I want to be an agent for uh, State Farm. And you could call up State Farm hey, they could call and find out what it takes, what it was, what do they think as an athlete, what would the, what would the percentage be for them to be successful. Like, there's questions you could ask. And, again, I can help them with that, but... That's the first thing I would do is is to make sure that my mindset is right and find out uh, and talk to some of these guys at, uh, at events and parties and then maybe get three areas and make converse, uh, and make uh, interviews and research on those three areas. Those are the things I would do right away. And we will be having you on again to talk when your second book comes out, when that is released in about a month, Life and Money for Former Pro Athletes. But... For people that are interested, where can they find your current book, Star Power and Retirement, How to Turn a Few Years of Playing Professional Sports into a Lifetime of Wealth, Influence, and Fame? And if they're interested in following up or finding out a little bit more about yourself, where can people find to go find your book and your information about yourself? Oh, fantastic. Um, uh, you can go to retiredfromsports.com. So retirededfromsports.com. Um, and you'll find at the top near, uh, navigation uh, the ebooks, and then also there's um, what's your score. You can take uh, it, it's a, a little survey. It's about ten questions on your pre uh, preparedness for retirement. So it helps you think about the different components of retirement and, uh, and answers some of the questions that you just asked me. Um, and that's where they can find that information. Plus, I do have blogs on there. You know, I have information. Um, on my site uh, 
www.retiredfromsports.com. And my name is Lorenda Phillips. Yep, and everyone, that's Lorenda Phillips. I just want to thank her for coming on the show today. Once again, making a huge difference in the world of athletics and really addressing an issue where a lot of people kind of get overlooked with the monetary management for these professional athletes. It's often overlooked, but it can't be understated how important it is. Lorenda, thank you once again for joining us here today. Yeah, you're welcome, Nolan. Thank you for having me. Anytime. Looking forward to talking about life and money for former pro athletes when that comes out. And you said about a month, correct? Exactly. I'll be. I'll uh, contact you as soon as I know. You know more of a direct time that uh, it will be out. Perfect. And we can't wait yep. to we can't wait to talk about that. So thank you again for joining us on the program today. You're welcome. Take care. And that was Lorenda Phillips. She was fantastic on today's show. We cannot wait to talk to her when her second book comes out, Life and Money. For former pro athletes, can't wait to talk to her more and get even more in-depth about athletes and handling their money. I mean, this is a big issue in sports, and I'm glad we could talk about it today. And it's something I don't think gets talked about enough, and we will continue to talk about this on future podcasts. But unfortunately, guys, that's going to be it for today. I'm sorry. We're going to be back. Make sure you subscribe wherever the podcasts are available. And we're available pretty much wherever ever you can digest podcasts. We're on Spotify. We're on SoundCloud. We're on Spreaker. We're on TuneIn. And, of course, Apple and iTunes Podcasts. If you'd like to get in touch with our show, once again, you can reach out to us, richsportstalk at gmail.com. And, of course, anywhere on social media using the handle at richsportstalk. But that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you so much for joining us here today. And until next time, I'm your host, Nolan Rich, and this is Rich Sports Talk.